0: Funding for this podcast comes from MathWorks, creators of MATLAB and Simulink Software, accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Learn more at MathWorks.com.
1: This is Radio Boston. I'm Tiziana Deering. On a day when there is news from both around the world and around the corner, we start with Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. We welcomed the senator this morning from Cambridge.
0: Thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you. So I
1: want to start with uh, breaking news uh, in the last 24 hours with the U.S. launching strikes against Houthi targets in Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen. President Biden ordered the strikes in response to moves by uh, the Houthis to attack international maritime vessels in the Red Sea. I want to make sure our listeners know Houthis are acting in support of the Palestinian people. They're backed by Iran. Uh, congressional leaders were briefed. They didn't give their approval. Do you support the move?
0: Well, you have put it in the right context that the United States is acting defensively here along with our allies. Our ships are being attacked. Our people are being attacked in international waters in a major shipping lane. Uh, So it is important uh, to be able to protect our people and keep those shipping lanes open. But at the same time, I am very concerned about expanding war in the region. Congressional oversight is a critical part of any kind of military engagement like this. So we're going to get more briefings about what the facts are leading up to it and have more conversations with the White House about the next steps here.
1: So if I were imagining a conversation between you and the White House, based on what I just heard from you, might I imagine you basically saying, listen, I get it, but don't do it again without getting our sign off?
0: We might not put it that bluntly, but keep in mind that from the very beginning in this nation, we have understood that the question about using military power, about going to war, is for Congress to um, to have a say in it. It's not just for the president or the administration to go out on its own. So it's very important that we stay together on this, that we consult on this, and that Congress have the opportunity to raise concerns and be a sobering influence on the administration.
1: One more thing on this, Senator Warren. Um, I, I am trying to get a feel for how risky, how much of a tipping point the world is at for serious escalation. I mean, tipping point level escalation in this conflict. Is it uh, there's a risk, or is this razor's edge?
0: You know, I I see this a little differently. It's who wants more conflict and who doesn't want more conflict. Uh, remember, just take yourself back to pre-October 7th, and you may remember that the Saudis were about to finish a deal with the Israelis so that there would be Uh, more stability, more recognition of Israel in the Middle East. And that's when uh, we saw Hamas launch a terrorist attack. Uh, Iran has obviously uh, wanted to see more uh, uh, turmoil in the Middle East. The Houthis are doing this, as they say, in part to stir up more trouble in the Middle East. And yet... Nations all around the world don't want to see this. I could make the same argument over in Ukraine, and that is the Ukrainians are going about their business two years ago, uh building a strong and prosperous country, doing a lot of trading with the rest of Europe when the Russians launched an invasion and the Russians keep that up, keep bombing, keep attacking uh their neighbor, Ukraine. So we've got clearly got countries that are doing everything they can to um, uh, cause trouble, to expand conflict because they think that's to their advantage. But most of the rest of the world doesn't want that. And this is a time when I'm very glad to see Joe Biden as our president. He's sober. He's calm. uh, He knows the world leaders. And even at a time when, there are countries who are trying to promote as much war and as much chaos and as much bloodshed as possible. He is trying to help tamp that down. And I think that's overall, I think that's the right leadership.
1: Let's stay in the Middle East. It, it seems to me you have become pretty unequivocal uh, in your uh, statements about uh, no further aid to Israel without conditions. And you said on WCVB's On the Record this past weekend, conditions include getting hostages back, stopping indiscriminate bombing, extension of the earlier ceasefire agreement, and leaders in both Gaza and Israel who want to work towards a long-term peaceful solution and a two-state solution. And you've also been pretty clear that you believe Benjamin Netanyahu, the leader in Israel, Uh, quote, has made clear that's not where he is, end quote. And so that leaves me wondering, what happens to the aid package President Biden wants passed? Um, You know, does that mean you can't support that package as is? Uh, Where is Congress? Do you think you have allies about that in Congress? I mean, what then specifically comes next with where you are right now?
0: The United States cannot write a blank check to Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, so that uh, the Netanyahu right-wing government can use our resources and our good name uh, to continue to create a humanitarian disaster in Gaza and also uh, the activities uh, on the West Bank. So, We have got to say there are limits here, and we need to sketch out what those limits look like. This is a legislative body, so there's a lot of negotiation going on about what the edges of that are. But we deserve a vote on that question, and for me, this is a critical part of whether we go forward with an aid package. No blank checks.
1: Um, Okay, I'm going to I'm going to ask the next question with eyes wide open about uh, all of the baggage that's in the phrase that I'm about to use. Senator Warren, is there any point at which a push for some sort of change in leadership or regime change in Israel becomes part of how the United States starts to think about this? Now, I don't mean outside. I don't mean any of that. Right. I get how loaded that is. But I think you also understand what I'm asking you.
0: You know, I let me do it a different way uh, because we are we are not going to interfere uh, from the outside. But but let me put it this way: the long term solution in the Middle East, the long term solution for the Israeli people and for the Palestinian people, lies with two states for two people. Um, Israel needs leadership that will work toward a lasting peace. And the Palestinians need leadership that will work toward a lasting peace. That's that's how people build security. They're treated with dignity. They have self-determination in the region. Two states for two people. And they need the leaders who will help them get there.
1: So let's bring this home. Let's come back to the United States. You know, I'm going to keep narrowing our our view as we as we talk. Um, top House and Senate leaders have said they've reached a 1.66 trillion dollar spending deal to avoid a government shutdown. There are kind of two triggers: uh, one in January, one in February. Uh, We know that uh, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson doesn't have the support of the extreme members of his party. There was, you know, some big protests from them yesterday. As of today, we know they're still not there. Are we in, uh, you know, a a game of chicken we can't win? Are we, you know, strapped into a car that's going to go off the road, Senator?
0: Well, this is really up to Speaker Johnson. Uh, Speaker Johnson has put his name on the line. He has cut a deal. And um it's the same deal, basically, that Speaker McCarthy cut months and months ago. It keeps the government open. It keeps it funded. The Democrats have agreed to go along with the deal. And um McCarthy's going to have to decide, is he going to be driven by an extremist faction in the Republican Party, or is he going to go ahead and pass this? with a lot of help from the Democrats, which and the that's Democrats what it we are perfectly right? willing to
1: offer. That's what it would take. And just to remind our listeners, McCarthy's no longer in office. He's not only <laughs> no longer the Speaker, he's no longer in that's right. office. And we're talking in a matter of Washington, a couple of days here. Easy.
0: Yeah, That's right. That's right. And this is the same, the same basic deal. But that is the fundamental question the Republicans have to answer. Are they going to be driven by their most extreme wing, or are they actually to sit down, negotiate, keep government open, do the
1: people's business. And what if the answer is no? We're just, this is deja vu all over again. So then
0: what happens? Well, we are in divided government. The Senate is moving forward. We're passing our aid packages. And I want to say, on a bipartisan basis, we've got Democrats and Republicans working through all the pieces. And we've got a budget pretty much put together. You know, the last little pieces have to go in. But we can't pass it by ourselves. There's a House of Representatives. And by a tiny little majority, it's, uh, it's controlled by the Republicans. So we need the Republicans to come to the table. And that's what it's going to take. They have to decide they want to govern. And look, there are a lot of outside forces that bear down on this as well. Remember what Donald Trump said just this week that he hoped the United States would go into a recession, that if people would be thrown out of work, lose their savings, that there would be economic turmoil in the country, because he thinks it's going to help him get reelected come November of this year. So you've got a lot of folks in the Republican Party, including the person who right now is leading for being the Republican nominee for president who are cheering on chaos instead of saying, Hey, we kind of have to keep the government going. You know, we pay the military and turn out the social security checks and keep the government offices open and the meat inspectors out there and all the things that it takes just to work day by day To keep government functioning. We got a lot of people on the Republican side who don't want to do that.
1: So that's just to keep the government functioning. And then there's ambitions, yep. right? Then there's things people oh, want to yeah. do. So I'm going to play you a little bit of sound, actually, from a conversation we had with Senate President Karen Spilka here in Massachusetts earlier this week.
0: We need to make sure that people who want to work, who want to go back to work, particularly our women who dropped out during COVID, that they are able to work because they have affordable, accessible childcare
1: part of a larger focus on families with kids, right? And you want yep. to expand the child tax credit that took effect in 2021, expired. Uh, it's been important to you for a while. It helps low-income families. Given what you just said, ambitions like that, 2024, an election year where everybody's known to double down, how, how do you get that done?
0: So look, uh, it, come November... If the Democrats have the House and the Senate and the White House in Washington, I believe we will get child care and make child care affordable for every kid in this country. This is good for mamas, good for babies, good for daddies, good for child care workers, good for our economy, good for small businesses that want to be able to hire people who can't literally can't go to work right now because they can't find adequate child care. So yes, that's my ambition, but it's going to take Democrats and Republicans in control of Congress to make this happen. Quick shout out to Catherine Clark over on the House side, who I guarantee if the Democrats are in charge, they're going to get that child uh, care bill through because she and I've been working on this one now for years. So there's our ambition, but it takes control of government to do it. But I want to flip in something else. We don't just have to sit around and wring our hands between now and November. The Biden administration just today announced more new features to a program called the SAVE plan. This one's not about childcare, but loans. it's about student loan debt, and they've expanded access to student loan debt cancellation and reduce the payments on student loans. It's a fabulous program that overall is a reminder of how the Biden administration is using every tool in the toolbox to keep helping working families, even when we can't get legislation through Congress. So anybody who's listening should go to studentaid.gov, and take a look at the features of what's happening to student loan debt and how people are going to get a lot of relief, see their payments go down, see some of their debt canceled. We already know it's going to help another 120,000 people right here in Massachusetts. So I'm excited about the things we can do really by having somebody good in the White House and by by all of us looking at what tools are in the toolbox and urging the administration to use them.
1: Time for two more questions. Do you have the time? Sure. Okay, so uh, let's stay with somebody good in the White House, uh, because, um, you know, I'm sure you're aware, I know you're aware, there are moves in Massachusetts to take Donald Trump off the primary ballot here. Uh, uh, Last week, we spoke with Labor Attorney Shannon Lis Reardon, also a former AG candidate here in the state, who is leading that push. Here she is. We are following Massachusetts law to enforce the United States Constitution, which has an amendment, the 14th Amendment, Section 3, specifically prohibits insurrectionists from serving in office. So we are taking the steps necessary to challenge Donald Trump's inclusion on the primary ballot on Super Tuesday. You told WCVBs on the record, quote, I want to see this resolved at the ballot box because I don't want there to be any question about the legitimacy of it, end quote. When we talked to the team pushing this last week, they argued, yeah, well, you know, uh, Barack Obama's not allowed to be on the ballot either because he served twice. So it's not a question of legitimacy. Uh, why not let this go forward? Uh, well, just l- lay that out.
0: I, I understand the argument that uh, Shannon Liss Rorden and others are making. And I don't think there's much doubt that Donald Trump participated in an insurrection and the law is pretty clear on this. Um, I'm just telling you how I feel about it. And the way I feel about it is that we need to beat this guy at the ballot box. We need everybody to show up and to vote. And part of the reason for that is just the things that Donald Trump has said even even just in the last week, he has said again, give him a chance, he will be a dictator. He has said again, I, he wants to take a victory lap over Roe versus Wade because he is the one responsible for getting rid of it. And by the way, I want to underscore there for everybody in Massachusetts that if the Republicans take control of the federal government, they want to pass a nationwide abortion ban. And it doesn't make any difference. If that happens, it doesn't make any difference what our laws are here in Massachusetts. Abortion will be illegal everywhere, including here in Massachusetts. And he has called for an economic crash. So I I think it is, I just keep underscoring the importance of we've all got to organize and be ready to get out and vote. We cannot expect the court's To resolve this problem, we have got to stay focused on, come November, Americans need to vote. And the importance of that vote, I just, whatever it was before, it is more than ever uh, critically important to our democracy. It is critically important to the individual liberty of our people. It is critically important to our future and the future of our children and grandchildren.
1: Okay, last question. On Tuesday, Boston Mayor Michelle Wu gave her State of the City address and talked about receiving 50 new electric buses. You and Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey uh, were able to get the funding for those buses through the Clean Bus Grant program. Um, You know Governor Healy, uh, Massachusetts Governor Healy, wants more federal funding to make the state competitive. What's next for you and Senator Markey on bringing federal dollars home?
0: Oh, don't you love this? You also should have thrown in about the bridges, uh, the Cape Cod bridges, that we got a big grant, $372 million, a uh, big uh, 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 chunk of cash to get us started on that. So the big money coming in right now is going to be more infrastructure money, and I will say more green money, uh, the school buses, moving to solar, uh, people upgrading their homes, towns that are able to uh, revitalize downtown. And a lot of projects that I'll say they don't look sexy, but they're really important, like storm drainage and getting rid of lead pipes, uh, better sewer programs out on the tape, uh, and a few other places around the state where we need them. So there's a lot of money coming in. And I'm I'm really excited about this. Part of the reason this money is coming to Massachusetts is because our towns led by really terrific mayors and our governor have really said, we are going to look for every grant. We're going to get every dollar we can here to Massachusetts to help make the investments, to make this state and to make our towns and cities competitive going forward. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. There's more money in the pipeline, more grant money in the pipeline. And when when we finish this interview, the next thing literally on my schedule is to call about a couple of grants that I'm hoping we're going to be able to get right here in Massachusetts. So I've got some more phone calls to make today.
1: Senator Elizabeth Warren joined us this morning. Next, Anthony Brooks takes us to New Hampshire. You're listening to Radio Boston.